0: Amen. Well, I am so glad you have braved this, uh, this winter wonderland to come and be with us. I told Cindy, I don't know if it'll just be us and our family and the kids or who will be here, but I know that you're not here by accident. I know that you're not tuned in by accident. And I believe that what I'm about to do is not by accident. I know I'm going to make some people nervous. I did give Bailey a little heads up. We're going to take that off the screen. You're not going to need your grace notes today. And I have rarely, rarely, rarely done this in my entire 25 years of full-time ministry. But today, I I just really felt compelled over the last half hour or so, the Spirit of God has just been all over me and changed my mind. And and honestly, I'm such a planner, and I like to write things and be way out ahead. And after writing the message this week, I was excited to bring it to you from Hebrews. Hebrews. I went back through it. We had a couple of things happen this morning. Number one, my iPad was down to 1% because I'd left it in the office, and it was unplugged, and so it barely had any juice. We plugged it back in and got that working. Number two, I'd written the message from home. I sent in my notes to Karen. We got all that done and printed for you, but then I realized I had not transferred anything, so I was about to send Bobby Jr., the third all the way back home, and then I realized I could pull it in from Word Online, and I finally got it on there. Then I started looking at it again, and it was as though God said, this is not what our people need today. This is not what our people need now. You've got that for next time but I need to give you something else. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I don't write messages in the last you know, 30 minutes before the sermon happens, because I believe the Holy Spirit is as alive on Monday morning in the study as he is right now on Sunday morning in the pulpit. I know some guys think you just have to preach in the moment and it's extemporaneous and all that. Okay, that's fine, but I know how I chase rabbits. Um, I grew up hunting them, and I know that I'd be all over the map. And so I want to give you a word today, but it's a a word that God actually put on my heart 17 years ago. In fact, it's not on the iPad. I had to go pull it from paper. This is paper. This is ink. This is the way I used to do it. And um, what I did is I went with my prayer partners and then I went straight back to my office and I opened my old notebooks where I have all of the sermons I've ever written before the iPad days printed and put in order. In fact, it's interesting, honey, this is your handwriting at the top. A lot of times, Cindy would take these off the printer. I had to slice them a certain way. I wasn't smart enough to know how to print it the right way. So we'd slice it, and she would number the pages for me. So this is her handwriting from um, 17 years ago. In fact, let me look. I know I have the date in here as I was going back through it. Um, It was from 2007. But this was the text. My prayer partners were praying today. And this was the passage, and this was the concept that kept coming to my mind, and I thought, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? I've had all these hiccups trying to get this Hebrews message ready for today. What are you trying to tell me? And here's what I think the Lord has said to me. On a week like this, did anybody have just a smidgen of PTSD from the COVID days and being locked down in your house? Anybody feel that way? It felt that way a little bit. Now, we're blessed with a few different four-wheel drives, so we didn't stay in long. We powered through, but my neighborhood right now is like an ice rink. I mean, it is sketchy to get out where we are in Oak Ridge, but everything else is Jeff said is good, and I got to thinking, there may be some people here today, there may be some people watching, especially those of you that haven't made it out yet, you've been in for basically a week. And you're feeling a little bit disconnected. And maybe even a little loneliness begins to set in. Maybe you feel like, man, when is this stuff going to go away? And I, and I begin to think about a particular passage of Scripture. And so I want to talk to you for a moment. Instead of talking about discipline, and we're going to come back to that. We're going to get back in Hebrews 12 next time. But I want to talk about this for a moment, ultimate healing, ultimate healing. I want to give you two stories. You're going to be very familiar with the stories, And you're going to know exactly, you've read this, you've heard this, maybe you've heard messages on it. But I really want to think about what Jesus is doing in the gospel message here. What is Jesus doing to provide hope and healing that goes beyond the current circumstance? So right now we've been in this winter storm. The kids have been out of school. Some of you are praying, oh Lord Jesus, please let the schools open soon. I love my children, but I understand why some animals eat their young. I'm over this. They've got to get back in school. I get it, I get it. But here's what I want to say. Jesus always has a way and a plan if we're willing to receive it. So here's what we're going to do. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 5. Luke 5. It won't be on the screens unless they can figure out how to do this. I'm going to read from 12 to 26. I'm going to put two pericopes, two little stories together in one overarching message about healing. And I really do believe somebody, I believe with all the wrestling I've just gone through over the last, well, it's been closer to an yeah, close to an hour now. With all the wrestling I've just gone through, and I I rarely change this because, again, I believe that the Lord is in the details, but I also know that my tendency is to plan beyond God, and when things change my plans, I get a little out of sorts. It's kind of like this Wednesday night. We had a big, big, big meeting plan. I did not want to miss it. But I knew there weren't but a handful of us that would even be able to get out this Wednesday night. And so we've moved it to this Wednesday where it's supposed to be warmer and real rain is coming in and things should be cleared off. Because there's important things happening. I don't like to have my plans changed, though. But I realize sometimes my plans don't align with God's plans and my plans are never as good as his plans. So he's got a purpose. Do you think, by the way, God knew it was gonna snow a lot around here? Do you think God knew that it would get into single digits at night? I mean, the the, the best thing about that is Cindy really wants to snuggle a lot in these days. (laughs) That's awesome. But beyond the snuggles, Uh, The reality is sometimes we feel disconnected. Sometimes we feel out of sorts. Sometimes we feel a little bit like this first guy we're going to read about. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. And I don't, yeah, you can just put, that's fine. You're going to have to triple dip of me. I'm sorry about that. All right. Verse 12, Luke 5. And it happened. So remember, Jesus has been out on the water. Y'all remember that? They, they fished all night and caught nothing. And this carpenter comes along and says, let's try again. I'd have been like, what you talking about, Willis? Don't tell me how to fish. Go nail something. So Jesus tells them they get this miraculous haul of fish. It's a beautiful picture of God's sovereignty and God's provision. And just listen to what he tells you, and you'll have more than you can handle. And then 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city, They behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. What's the man's name Oh nobody knows. He's just a leper. I'm going to talk to you a lot about that for the first half of this message. Disconnected, untouched, lonely. He was full of leprosy, and he saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he implored or he begged or he pleaded with the Lord. He begged him, "Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean." And then he put out his hand, Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. You know how unusual that was. He touched him and he said, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one. In other words, this is what we call in theology the messianic secret. His time was not there yet. He didn't want them to anoint him as some political king just yet. But he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. In other words, keep the word of the Lord. You've been healed now. Keep the word of the Lord. However, the report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities. But he himself, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. See, Jesus knew the value of solitude. Some, some of us this week, maybe, maybe God brings in this kind of thing into our life so that we'll just chill a little bit, literally, just chill. So Jesus used this opportunity to withdraw and pray. Now, you know this story very well. Now, watch how they're tucked right side by side. And now it happened on a certain day, he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Doesn't say he did heal them. It says his power was present to heal them. That's interesting, guys. And then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Y'all know this story? Everybody knows this story? They brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, but they couldn't find out how they may bring him in because of the crowd. So they went up on the housetop and let him down on his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, get up and walk. Whoa, 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 what? Mm mm. Mm mm. The spiritual came first. Man your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, because he knows theirs, he knows yours, he knows mine, Jesus answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, so this is a sign now of the miracle that's already taken place, a sign of the miracle. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And the same word is used that was used of the leper. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he'd been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, reverent all, saying, We have seen strange things today. Yes, you have. Lord, thank you for your word. It always makes me a little nervous when uh, I don't feel totally prepared for something, but I sure hope that means I'll press into you right now. I sure hope that means that I'll trust in your spirit even more in this moment. I don't believe there are any mistakes, and I believe there is somebody who needs to hear this. Somebody is feeling disconnected. Somebody needs a touch from the master's hand. So would you touch, would we receive, would you be high and lifted up, glorified in this place and beyond for all who are here and all who are tuned in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated, please. So let's start with this. We're going to talk about ultimate healing And I conclude that for ultimate healing, we need a touch from Jesus. I believe sometimes when we're disconnected, what we really need is a touch. Let's look at this first story. It's about leprosy. We find that in the Bible, leprosy refers to various kinds of inflammatory skin diseases, not always to what we call today as Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease is today what we would really call leprosy. But leprosy was in many ways the AIDS of the ancient world. And let me put that in even better context. The early 80s early to mid 80s, AIDS of the ancient world. Today, we know much more. Today, there's far less fear surrounding that. However, it was even worse. Life was difficult. There was chronic debilitating physical pain and no high-powered painkillers like we have now. Leprosy could have crippling effects on the body, scales and nodules would form on the skin, folds of skin may develop, skin sores would ooze secretion, and if the disease continued, extreme disfigurement often followed, even with the possibility of extremities falling off the body." A person in an advanced stage of leprosy was not an easy person to look at. I want to share something with you. I'd done this research, as I said, many years ago, but I have since done even more study and found confirmation of such things. Dr. Paul Bren of Carville, Louisiana, was one of the world's foremost experts on leprosy. He described how, quote, leprosy patients lose fingers and toes not just because the disease can cause decay, but precisely because they lack pain sensations, how many of you love pain? I hope not. Some of you could be weird enough maybe to love pain. <laughs> I'm be careful. Most of us go, no, I don't love pain. If I was outside working a lot and my fingers got too cold and they turned red and they were burning, I don't like that, but isn't it good? Isn't it good that your fingers turn cold and burn? Lest what happens? Frostbite. And then they turned black. I was hunting with a guy years ago in Pike County, Illinois. This old boy didn't have the right socks nor the right boots. We set out the first day on an 11-hour hunt, negative four degrees. He nearly lost all of his toes. They were purple, not quite black. He was able to get every, the blood moving again and get them back. But the pain, I said, man, weren't you hurting? He said, it was severe. I'm like, dude, no deer is worth that. Pain is a good thing, but these often lose parts because of no pain and nothing warns them when the water's too hot or the hammer, the hammer handle is splintered and accidental self-abuse destroys their bodies. Now think about that. Look at verse 12. The Bible says that there was a man who was full of leprosy. Play race is the word. Like um, he has just a, an abundance of this that's eating up his body. Now I want you to consider this account Through his eyes this morning. And I want you to listen to how this is written. My name isn't important. No one knows it anyway. Leper. That's the only name they knew. This is my story a leper's story. It started one day when I was getting ready for work. I noticed a small discolored patch on my right arm and didn't think much about it at first, but a couple days later I noticed it was already getting bigger. I knew the stories and I knew the law. According to Leviticus, a blemish like this had to be examined by the priest. If it was leprosy, I would lose everything. I remember I was terrified. I hid it for a while, but I knew I was breaking Mosaic law, so I went to my priest. My worst nightmare became a reality. It was leprosy. I was cast away, unclean. Leprosy you see is worse than death, it's constant torture. I couldn't go to the temple to worship. I couldn't associate with family and friends. I couldn't live in my village. I couldn't kiss my wife. I couldn't play with my children. I had to camp outside and when I walked the streets I had to cry out unclean, unclean to all who were near me. How humiliating those words would become. Crowds parted as I drew near. Children laughed at me and threw stones and mocked of my disease. That was not the worst part. See, I was untouchable. No one would touch me or they would be unclean as well. Can you imagine the pain of going through life untouched by human hands? Never feeling the warmth of another's touch. Never feeling the embrace of ones you loved? I longed to be wanted, longed to be needed. I longed to have my family back and I wanted to watch my children grow up. I really longed just to have a name, but no one cared. I was just the leper until Jesus came. I heard about this man from God, a great prophet like Elijah of old. He went around healing people and teaching them new things. And I heard that he'd healed the lame. He had cured the blind. I even heard that lepers like me were totally cleansed. So I went to see him once as he taught. His name was Jesus, a Nazarene. He was teaching more profoundly and powerfully than you can even imagine. And when I first saw him, I knew he had the answer to my problems, but I just couldn't get to him. I stepped down among the crowd, but he was gone. And then came the day, heard the noise of the crowd in the streets ahead of me and someone cried out the name, Jesus, he was coming, he was coming my way. I ran in the direction of the Lord, unclean. I cried as I ran, unclean. And I'm not even sure how it happened, but the next thing I know, there I was. And he was standing right in front of me. I did the only thing I knew how to do. I fell on my face in front of him, ashamed to even speak to him. I was dirty, disfigured, a grotesque parody of a man, and I could hardly find the voice to speak. But I cried out, Lord, If you're willing, you can make me clean. I closed my eyes, and I guess I expected him to treat me like everybody else and walk away disgusted. I could hear the jeers of the crowd and the disgust of the people standing near. I even listened for his footsteps to keep passing me by, but I will never forget what he did. He touched me. I couldn't believe it at first, but he touched me. It had been so many years since anyone had touched me, but Jesus touched me. I can still remember the warmth of his hand and the gentle embrace of his fingers on my arm, and I looked up from the ground, and my eyes met his, and I knew it. In that moment, I knew it. He touched me, and he loved me. And then he spoke. I am willing Be cleansed. At first, I really didn't notice anything, but then I looked at my hands. The sores gone. All gone, instantly gone. Slowly, I. Killed the clothes away from my arms and instead of tattered flesh I saw that my arms had been as they were before the leprosy. Jesus had healed me. He had cleansed every spot from me and I fell on my face again to thank him and praise him but he pulled me up to my feet and the silent crowd looked and he said just don't tell anyone. Not yet. Go to the priest. Make your offering but I confess I did not do what Jesus told me to do. I'm ashamed of my disobedience but I couldn't help it. I walked through the streets and no Nobody shied away from me in horror. Nobody rushed to move away. You know, they knew instead of yelling, unclean, unclean, they knew because now I was yelling, clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. A new man because Jesus touched me. I saw the children who mocked me, clean, I shouted at them. I saw the merchants who shunned me, clean, I shouted at them. I saw the people who feared me, clean, I shouted again. Jesus made me clean because no one ever loved me like he did. No one else would touch me, but he did. No one else could cleanse me, but he could. And you may not be facing the horrible disease of leprosy today, but you may feel untouchable. You may feel lonely. You may feel disconnected even a week inside and you may feel like nobody even cares i'm here to tell you the lord jesus loves you and he'll touch you he cares for you the world wants to shun the people of god anyway the world may not hear us say unclean but they often think we're crazy They often think we're believing in some genie in the sky by and by. But you and I that have been touched by Jesus, you know better. I know better. My Lord is more real than this stand. My Lord is more real than this stage. My Lord is more real than my stuff. Jesus has touched me and I haven't gotten over it. And if he's touched you, you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing to think, but in a couple of short months, I'll be celebrating my 39th birthday. Don't laugh. My 39th birthday, March the 30th, 1985. He touched me and made me whole. My spiritual birthday, and I just haven't gotten over it. Do you have a spiritual birthday? You may feel lonely and disconnected, but friends, Jesus can touch you. He wants to touch you. He wants you to be cleansed, forgiven, and whole. But don't dare miss this. The old boy got in front of Jesus, and he asked for healing. Did you see that in the second story? Hmm. For ultimate healing, we need a touch from Jesus, but also for ultimate healing, we need forgiveness of our sins. It's so interesting to me that we see this picture of Jesus withdrawing and praying in verse 16. That's another message for another day, but I want you to see as the story shifts, now... We have the most religious people of their day gathered, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those that knew the word of God. They had come from near and far, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. The power was present to heal them. How many were being healed? Well, the text is silent, but let me say it Appeared appear to me 0.0 were actually healed. The power was there for their healing. All that they needed was available for their healing, but it doesn't say anyone was actually healed, and it's interesting that the word power there is dunamis. Etymologically, we can trace that, and eventually we come to the word dynamite. It it even looks like dynamite if you take the Greek and make it English, but the dynamite, explosive power of God Almighty was in their presence, and yet... Nobody's really getting healed that we know of just yet, at least among that group of the Pharisees and teachers. But I want to remind you of something today. Where where you find Jesus, you find his power, his power to change your life. He was teaching, but it doesn't say he was healing yet. Now, maybe there wasn't anybody sick in the house yet. Maybe the sick didn't believe he could really heal them yet. Most likely the sick may have not asked to be healed. I don't know why, but I know when Jesus is is in the house, power is in the house. That's the beautiful thing. So you're at home today. Some of you are alone today. Some of you have been snowed in and alone now for a week or more. And yet if Jesus is in your house, power is in your house. You can lose your electricity, but you can't lose your power. You see, there are two different things here and Jesus is in this house and if you're here today in this house or if you're out there listening and tuned in and you haven't found ultimate healing, if you've not yet been forgiven of your sins, if you don't know that you know that you know that you have eternal and abundant life, it is not because the power of Jesus is unavailable to you. It may be that you've never been touched by the Lord Jesus, that you have never opened yourself up and said, I am willing, please, because when he says he is willing, you can take that to the bank, Bubba. He's going to touch you and change you. Look at 18 and following you know this story I think quite well it says that behold men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him very interesting right no room everybody's crowded in so y'all know the story they go outside it was actually quite common to have stairs and access. And often on these flat, more tile-like thatched and tile-type roofs, we know that those were usable places. Flat roofs were very common in this time. And so there were stairs up there that were also very common. And so they they let this man down in front of Jesus through the tiling. It's, It's interesting, the word there, listen to the word in Greek, karamos actually where we get the English word ceramic so these were likely baked clay-like tiles where we like a ceramic tile today and they removed those and it's so fascinating to me because this story has always stuck out because look at verse 20 if you have your Bible open what does verse 20 say when Jesus saw what does your Bible say does anybody's Bible say his faith your Bible says his faith is wrong. The the beauty of knowing the Greek language, at least least the little bit I know of it, is that I can tell you that this is third-person plural. Now, I know that we live in a time in 2024 when people are playing with pronouns and doing weird things with language, but you can't just make up the rules as you go. Third-person plural means there, (laughs) when he saw their faith. Their faith not just his faith, so we have an interesting shift in the narrative, right? For the leper, his faith put him in front of Christ, but in this story, their faith put the paralytic in front of Christ. Something to be said for us in that, folks, The paralyzed man is probably to be included in that group of having faith because Christ doesn't heal those who don't want to be healed. Don't miss that. But at least we see that he's consenting to the actions of his four friends and Jesus saw their faith. Now, how can faith, an invisible quality or attitude that we learned a lot about in Hebrews 11, how can faith be seen? I think that's a valid question. Well, New Testament faith always acts in accordance with what it asserts to be true. So faith claims validity, but sees, ob- faith that claims validity, let me say this again. I got this from the King James Version Study Bible, by the way. Faith that claims validity, but sees obedience as a non-essential extra, is bogus. In other words, you see faith by obedience. Obedience. Faith works. Not faith or works, not faith and works. Biblical faith works. Jesus taught that those who love him, trust him, believe in him, will do what he commands. He says, man, your sins are forgiven you. So interesting. He doesn't start with the physical. Jesus starts with the spiritual. Didn't he come to have his body healed? Don't you think when they laid him down, the intention was that he be healed physically? But Jesus comes out of the gate with a totally different declaration. Verse 20, he saw their faith. He said, man, your sins are forgiven. I wanna say something to you that's very important. Now listen to me. Sin is worse than sickness. Y'all hear that? Sin, in fact, sin is sickness, but it's of the worst kind. You may be healed of your cancer today, and I'd praise God for you for that. You may be healed of your leprosy, praise God but to be healed of your sin is a greater thing indeed. He could have healed him of his palsy, of his paralysis only to spend eternity in hell. Do people that are cold need jackets? You better believe it, bub. Do people that are hungry need food? Absolutely. And we're doing what we can as a church to meet those kinds of needs. But people's ultimate need is not a jacket and it is not a can of soup. Their ultimate need is Jesus. And as we give them food and we give them warmth we give them Jesus because that's what we do that's who we are you know we spend most of our life involved in the physical realm we spend most of our life concerned about enjoying things reducing stress making it easier but millions upon millions even dare I say billions of people will die with bodies all fixed up big bank accounts And memories of a wonderful life, or so they thought. But they'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. Why? Because their sins were not forgiven. Could it be that we, their friends, have never taken the time to take them to Jesus? See, I really think that's the question. Could it be that we've been so busy in our own lives and in our own worlds that we've never thought, I can take a corner of that mat. I can hold on to that for old Jim over there. I love him. I want to see him healed. I want to see his sin sickness dealt with, cleansed, forgiven, How many of our friends and family members are paralyzed in the bondage of sin, paralyzed by sickness or selfishness, paralyzed by spiritual helplessness, Jesus rescued me and he rescued many of you from the pit of death and destruction. Jesus rescued me and he rescued many of you from the results of sin and death. And Jesus can and will rescue family and friends and others, but we must take them to the only one who can give them healing. Think about the rest of the story. Think about what happens. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious deletists stick up their holier-than-thou noses. They say, who's blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God? And they're right about that. Only God can forgive sins, but they had God in the house, God in the flesh, God standing right in front of them. But they were so blinded in their spiritual arrogance that they could not see him. And so they have the Lord before them. Who can do this? And Jesus said, well, now look, which is easier to say? Well, I would argue it is easier to say your sins are forgiven you, it's easier to say. I mean, I could say that to you, thank the Lord I'm not your father, I'm not your earthly priest, you don't have to come confess to me. Some of y'all at times think you need to, it's all right, you don't. You can tell it to God through Jesus. But you know, I could do the little thing, and I could give you some beads, and we could talk about how many Hail Marys you're going to do, but I can't offer you one ounce of forgiveness, Bub, because I need it too, from Jesus alone, my high priest. And so the thing is, you don't have to go to anybody else, but these cats, they couldn't figure that out, and so they're trying to reason it all out, and I think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, but Jesus says in 24, I want you to know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to do something on the outside to prove what I've already done on the inside. Do y'all realize that's what baptism is about? Do you realize that baptism isn't saving you one ounce? The water doesn't cleanse one part of your sin, but you are showing on the outside what Jesus has already done on the inside. You are identifying with the Lord in his death, burial, and resurrection. You are showing the watching world, I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so Jesus is saying, okay, you don't think I have the power to do that? That's easy to say, hey, bud, why don't you take up that mat? You see, the friends did what they were supposed to do, but Jesus doesn't say, hey, friends, carry his mat for him. He says, all right, buddy, I've done it on the inside. Now let's show him on the outside. You take your mat. You roll that puppy up, and you walk on out of here. And that's exactly what the Bible says happened. What healing is to the body Forgiveness is to the soul, and that's what we see. The mat that had been carrying the man is now being carried by the man. Think about that. There's a lot we can learn from these miracles this morning. You can make a difference in somebody else's life. Have you checked on folks this week to make sure they're okay? Making sure your neighbor's all right, making sure people have what they need. You can make a difference in somebody's life. This paralyzed man needed help to come to Jesus. His four friends could have said, hey, bud, if there's anything we can ever do for you, just let us know. They could have gone to the meeting without him. They might have even squeezed in and gotten a seat inside without having to mess up that fellow's roof. But you can make a difference in somebody's life. When you care for them, you pray for them. Sometimes you need to bring them with you. You get a pass on a day like today, but maybe next week you can bring them to church with you. You can look for opportunities God gives you to minister to them. Don't let obstacles keep you away from the power and presence of Jesus. The crowd was an obstacle to be overcome. And you say, well, why don't some people come to church? Well, they don't like the crowd. They don't like to wait in that parking lot for an extra three minutes But they'll go to Thompson Bowling. You can call it Food City if you want, but that's weird. They'll go to Thompson Bowling and they'll walk for miles and they'll freeze their backsides off over at Neeland, or they'll do whatever it takes. Listen, I know I'm one of those crazies too. But if it's too cold in church, well, I ain't going back to that place. I literally froze to death, bless God. (laughs) Maybe somebody offended them. I'm offended every time I go to a ball game. There are people that aren't wearing the colors I think they ought to be wearing, and they're cheering for the enemy. I'm offended! And I keep going back. For some of them, you know, they went. I went as a kid. My parents took me. It's been 20, 30, 40 years, and they haven't been back since, and the truth is, they're not witnessing the power of Jesus in their lives. What obstacle is in your life preventing you from experiencing the power of Christ? Could it be a habit, a secret sin, a person in church you don't like, your love for the world or things of the world? Do you feel like you're an outsider? I understand that. I understand sometimes being an outsider. I get it. But listen, we love you. And we want to bring you to the one who can give you ultimate healing from the inside out. And if you don't think anybody else loves you, go back to the first story. Jesus is the one who can touch you. For ultimate healing, we need a touch from Jesus. For ultimate healing, we need forgiveness of our sins. Now, I don't know if I've told this story. I've told it several times in my ministry. So if I've told you already, just sit and smile and act like you've never heard it before. I can't remember. I change the names every so often. Today I'll use the name "Joy." It has nothing to do with anybody we know, but I want to use this story to end and give you some insight to take with you, maybe something you can share. It's sort of dad jokish, but it's good. Heard about a young man named Joy who loved shooting rocks with his slingshot. That was me as a kid slingshot, BB gun, bow, whatever I could get my hands on that would fire something, a projectile. And then we'd have BB gun wars. I don't recommend this today, children, but BB gun wars with our buddies, you know, literally trying to shoot each other's eyes out, never wore helmets. When we rode bikes, we were rebels. Rode in the front seat standing up. And the only seatbelt I had was my mama's little bony arm that would come across me. Crazy back then. But this little fellow loved to shoot things with a slingshot and the young fellow had a ball trying to hit old buckets and tree stumps and he'd bring these little rocks and little steel balls and never really caused a lot of trouble until one day in grandma's backyard he spied her pet duck. Now you need to understand that grandma loved that duck and before he even stopped to think about it Joey grabbed a rock, put it in his slingshot, pulled it back and let her fly. The stone hit its mark. The duck was dead. Not so good. The boy panicked, he hid the bird in the woodpile, only to look up and see his little sister, Sally, watching the whole thing. After lunch that day, Grandma told Sally to help with the dishes, and Sally said, well, Joey told me he wanted to help with the dishes today, didn't you, Joey? And Joey said, I didn't say any, and Sally spoke up him and said, remember the duck. Yes, Grandma, I'd like to help with the dishes today. And so he did. And for the next several weeks, he was at the sink often, sometimes for duty, but most often because Sally was in the corner going, remember the duck. Joey finally became tired of his chores, and he decided that any punishment would be better than washing more dishes. So he went to his grandma, and he confessed to killing her pet duck. I know, Joey, Grandma said. I've known since the moment you did it. I was standing at the window and I watched the whole thing happen. Because I love you, I already forgave you. I just wondered how long you'd let Sally make a slave out of you. (laughs) See, Joey had been forgiven, but he thought he was guilty. Why? He listened to the voice of his accuser. Hello? Hello? Some of you guys have prayed the sinner's prayer a thousand times and you're still wondering today. Some of you are still uncertain. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you really believe Jesus is God? Do you believe he came to this earth and lived a perfect life? Do you believe that he went to Calvary's cross to pay the price for your sin? Do you have faith that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, but by the power of God, he was raised to new life the third day? Do you believe that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father where he sits now, ready to receive his own? You say, well, yes, pastor, I have believed that. Of course I believe that, but... Don't you put a but where God put a period. For God so loved the world that he gave. Who did he give? His only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, no qualifiers there, folks, just you believe in him, will not perish, but have what? You might have said eternal, you might have said everlasting. How long does that last? Forever and ever. Now, you can either take God at his word, or you can listen to the voice of your accuser. But I submit to you if you've trusted Jesus, you have been touched. I submit to you that you have been changed. I submit to you that you have found ultimate healing. And now I encourage you to go forth and bring others to the Lord who can touch them and change them for his glory and their good and the growth of the kingdom. And that's God's word today. Let's stand together. I don't know who needed it, but I reckon I needed it. So... There you go. You can even preach from paper. I'll tell you right now, somebody in here today knows somebody that's disconnected and lonely and feeling untouchable. Now, you might be that person, but you are not too far from God. You are here Because he wanted you here today. You are watching because he wanted you watching. You are listening because he tuned you in. You come. Pastors and counselors are ready to receive you. If you're online, you can reach out to us. Just let us know. You need a pastor to love on you and reach out. If you're a lady and you would prefer a lady to contact you, we'll be glad to do that. If you're here today and you know somebody that needs to come to Jesus... Would you be one person today that would commit to come to this holy altar on this holy day and say, I'll help carry the mat? God, help me, show me, strengthen me, give me courage, but I'll be one to help carry the mat, even if you don't know what that looks like. I don't know who needed this today. Maybe it was just me. But I need to be reminded that I have been touched I have been changed, he is still changing me. The first song ever sang in church, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Thank you so much for watching us today.